I want kids, I want a family. I want to be a mum. That's all I've ever wanted. My name is Ryan and that's my beautiful girlfriend Bridget. This is episode five of Am I Ready to Be a Father? And if you want to hear our story from the start, then head back to episode one. They say you can't have it all, but this guy's resume would probably argue that you can. This episode is with one of the busiest dads going round, Eddie Maguire. Eddie Maguire hosts Millionaire Hot Seat, the daily game show that used to be called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He hosts the daily breakfast show on Triple M Melbourne. He calls football for Fox Footy. He hosts the AFL football show and is the president of the Collingwood Football Club. One of the main fears I have about becoming a dad is that I won't have time to both be a great dad and still do all the things that I want to do. But Eddie seems to be able to balance it all, and I want to find out how. Eddie and I recorded this chat a few weeks ago, and I'm still really annoyed about something that happened just afterwards. So this is me when I got back to my car on Clarendon Street, just outside the Triple M Studios in Melbourne, after Eddie and I recorded our chat. So, this is really annoying. When I record interviews in our radio studio or for this podcast, I usually just hit record right at the start and don't stop recording until they leave the room. Usually you cut a bunch out, but sometimes in the small chat, there's some gold and I'm always scared I'm going to miss it. So I just record everything. Today, um, the video guys were packing up. The audio guys had stopped recording and left the room. Eddie left the room, but then he comes back in and he tells the most ripping story ever it's the best and I just the whole time I was like this is fascinating but also god damn it I wish I was recording right now and um you know Eddie's like an old school journo so I don't want to sort of breach the whole on the record off the record thing and the last thing a guy wanting to work in the media wants to do is piss off Eddie Maguire so I, I don't know if we'll be able to use that but when you play in someone else's studio you play by their rules and Oh, that's a that's a real shame. Oh, he was great anyway. Eddie is married to Carla and they have two children, Alexander and Joseph. He's been nicknamed Eddie Everywhere because he's that busy. I was interested to know how he goes about balancing family, work, his social life and his health. Does he have to make any sacrifices? Eddie's breakfast show finishes at 9am, so I snuck into his studio at 5 past 9 to ask. Uh, oh, well, everything, everything comes into play. I mean, yeah. yeah, probably the health is the one that uh, slides through because you always, uh, you know, got other things on. But I've got myself really fit again in the last uh, couple of months, so I'm feeling really good about that. Your family is, in my case, is my number one priority. Amongst all that, the family is what uh, matters. And, uh, yeah, you make some sacrifices sometimes because of uh, the, the nature of the game. You, you can't phone this in. You've actually got to be in a studio or when you're on air and television, you actually have to be there. But uh, at the same time, if you decide that your family is important, then you sacrifice other things. Yep. You know, I'm probably a member of more golf clubs and games I've played in the last seven <laughs> years, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And uh, but, but that's not a sacrifice. That's just a priority. And uh, my children and my wife are, are a priority to me. And, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful time in my life. My boys are 16 and 14 at the moment. It's, uh, it's an amazing period just getting into uh, going from being little boys to young men now into being grown men. And uh, it's a wonderful part of uh, life that you'd never miss. Yeah. So 
we're a week behind. I do breakfast in Canberra and we're a week behind. So I'm on like ratings break now. So mm. I'm back next week. And a lot of my friends and colleagues would be on the beach or overseas, but I'm here doing a podcast. Uh, my girlfriend doesn't understand <laughs> or doesn't understand, but sometimes I have to like really explain to her, um, you know, I'm new to media and I want to do well and, and sort of working hard when you don't have to. Yeah. Was, was there ever chats with Carla when you were younger or any sort of... No, know, not really because uh, Carla was involved in, in what we were doing. She yeah. had her own business. She understood. She spent uh, seven months of the year for about four or five years in a row where she was overseas uh, in, a, in her buying business yep. and manufacturing business. So she understands yep. and, and is a driven person as well. Uh, no, look, it, it's, it's pretty simple. What you invest early in your career, you hopefully will reap the returns down the track. You can't have it all that way. Yep. You can't be sitting on the beach all the time and uh, enjoying the fruits of yep. uh, you know, the early successes. Uh, you know, it's like any business. Whatever you invest early on, you get the dividends down the track. And uh, yeah. You know, that's, uh, I don't, I, I didn't ever see it as a sacrifice. I yeah. thought it was an opportunity to get ahead of the uh, opposition to uh, learn my craft. Uh, the key, I think, in uh, in young people being in the media is flying hours. Yep. Do everything. I mean, I used to do sportsman's nights for free, um, host everything that was going on. And then one moment I got offered the job and we worked it through to start a thing called the footy show. And the first night I walked out was the first footy show, first prime time footy show. And, uh, I'd done a thousand of those shows before. Yeah, you're ready to I'd, go. I was ready to go. I yep. knew how audiences reacted. I knew what they laughed at. I knew what they were all about. I knew how my personality could interact with them. And that was all done because I'd been doing sportsman's nights and hosting things for free from the time I was about 20 years of age. So my girlfriend, Bridget, she's starting to hint about, you know, the, the, the little jokes about the kids and the marriage and they're becoming a little bit more frequent. Yeah. How long did you guys start talking about kids before you sort of, did you make it? No, well, no, we made, uh, Carl and I uh, got married, uh, I think, two years after we started going out. We were engaged right. after uh, a year or 10 or 11 months. So we, we knew that uh, that was something we wanted to do. And then we actually had a few years uh, without kids. So I think we, we were about four years married before we decided to have kids because we were both working at that stage. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't conducive to uh, where we were in a stage of our life. And I think what you have to do is uh, it's not a decision based on wouldn't it be nice to buy a puppy or yeah. wouldn't it be nice <laughs> to go on a holiday. Yeah. You know, we actually took a, a – I personally took a very serious approach to it. And I know Carla did as well, but I'm only talking from my point of view. And I was very adamant, um, having grown up uh, in Broadmeadows and seen how um, uh, lack of uh, money can just impact on families, regardless of how tight they are and, and the, the goodwill involved, yeah. that we would be in a position that we would be able to have kids and uh, do as, you know, get ourselves sorted out as best we possibly could. So yeah, there was a lot of thought went into it. And I remember even finding out when Carla told me she was pregnant the first time, the first thing I thought of was basically, all right, what's the business plan for the next 20 years? Because that's what it's going to take. And in a blink of an eye, I'm 16 and a half years already down that road. It's uh, quite amazing to think that uh, Joe, my older son, is uh, in year 11 and doing a a VCE subject and next year we'll be doing year 12. And uh, Alexander, my number two son, is uh, doing year nine at the moment. So he's he's into that. We're into that treadmill of uh, yeah. you know, senior high school now. But uh, yeah, those things, well, that was my reaction to it. I go into myself in, in you know moments of reflection as mm. opposed to uh, talking and uh, jumping up and doing cartwheels. I mean, it was one of the great moments of my life. But yeah. it, uh, the first thing I thought of was, right, what does this mean to our family? And, and what do I have to do to make it work? 
If there's one thing I hate, it's saying no to opportunities. Nothing kills me more than saying no. In 2010, I was offered a job as a researcher and a writer for the BRW Rich List, which, if you're listening from the US, is sort of the Australian equivalent of Forbes magazine. I wasn't the smartest finance guy and I didn't have the most media experience, but the fact I had a little bit of both made me a bit of a rare case apparently. They offered me a 10-week job. Be part of this project, help us make the BRW Rich List this year. Imagine how satisfying it would be to see the BRW Rich List, one of the biggest magazine issues of the year for any magazine, just sitting there on the stand knowing that you and the team made that from scratch. That would be so good, and I'm still annoyed that I had to say no. I wasn't available for the full 10 weeks, and it still kills me all these years later. What has this got to do with being a parent? I've seen multiple, multiple guys in a similar situation to me turn down opportunities, turn down new projects because, oh, I can't now that I've got a kid, or, oh, no, my wife wouldn't let me. We've got to take care of these babies. And whilst obviously looking after your family is a priority, The fact that seven years later, I'm still annoyed at myself for turning down that job with the BRW magazine. I don't know. All I do know is I never want to say no to a great opportunity ever again. Eddie Maguire has about a thousand jobs. I asked him if when they found out they were pregnant, if he was scared that he'd have to turn down some jobs himself. No, well, no, 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 I didn't ever think about giving up anything else. It just uh, drove me to work harder. Yeah. Uh, But you also have to work smarter. And there are the, the changes for me was that at that stage of my life, I was lucky enough I'd had a pretty successful career to that stage. Yep. But you always thought, well, if it all ended tomorrow, I'll go and do something else. I'll go and get a job. I'll have a change of career. I'll go back to university. You know, when I was in my 20s, I'll go overseas and work. Suddenly you think, no, hang on a second. Uh, this is now a different game. Um, I have a family. Uh, there are lives at stake here, you know. It, it, you know as I said previous to that with Carla myself, she had her own business. So we were going, okay, there are other options. But uh, the options narrowed, uh, in my mind, certainly once we uh, found out we're going to have a baby because the focus goes on a family as opposed to maybe two individuals coming together in a partnership or a marriage or a relationship, whatever the case may be. Yep. But uh, once uh, the aspect of having a child comes in, then there is a huge amount of responsibility that comes on. And in my mind, in my experience, was a change in, in, in tactics and a change in focus on the way I wanted to live my life from that moment on. Yeah, and when you say you, you're no longer just looking after yourself, you're looking after a bunch of people, what, yeah. what happens when, I guess this week, sort of a little bit, you've been in the papers all the time? Is it weird that... Ah, oh, but that doesn't matter. That was yeah. <laughs> neither here nor there. Yeah, somebody, but, but, somebody has an opinion about you. Well, yeah. we're in the opinion business. People have got an opinion on everything. So I work on the hit network and you know commercial radio. We're doing sort of prank calls and bits and pieces mm. and having fun. And I, if some people go, oh, Ryan, you're a dickhead, you go, oh, it doesn't matter. But then... Mm. Is it a bit different when do your kids come home and go, oh, Dad, what's the deal? What are people oh, yeah, but about? Uh, no, well, they're but they're they're, they're young men now. They've yeah. they've lived their life in the public eye. They were chased yeah. by paparazzi when they were five years of age, so yeah, they they understand uh, the situation. But we we you know sit down. We're a family. We discuss things, so they understand that uh, you know there are there are various sides to being in this business and being a public figure. If you going to be the president of Collingwood, it's great when we're winning and it's yeah. tough when we're losing. So that's part of it. But that's, I think that's the balance of life. You have to understand that, uh, you know, there's ups and downs in every stage of life. You read any biography of any successful person and the story that makes it a great story is the fact that they had to, you know, usually grab themselves by the bootstraps at some stage 
or face their insecurities or face the wrath of uh, the media or the critics and that's that's just part of it that's what happens is there one or two main things that you remember that your old man sort of instilled in, or taught in you that you've noticed that you're trying to teach to your kids now yeah oh, well very much uh, honesty yep. it was uh, straight away my my father was ramrod straight uh he was scottish he uh, you know was in the coal mines when he was 12 he fought in world war 2 came to australia when he was you know, 40 odd years of age with uh, two kids, two suitcases and five pound yeah. and built his life here and uh, taught us uh, right from wrong. And uh, I think that's it. If, uh, you know, if you've got that uh, situation in life that you you believe that you're doing things for the right reason, then even if it goes wrong, it doesn't really matter because you believe you're doing it for the right reason. What advice would you give to young men like myself who are thinking about having kids, not sure, like, you know, it seems like... It's a not about you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing. Now, you know, people talk about generation X and Y. It's always been the situation. Young men, young women come through. You're in your parents' uh, guidance until you get to about year 12 and then you get into your own stride and it's all about you and what you want to do and your aspirations and things. But as soon as you become uh, pregnant or as soon as you have a baby, it's about us. It's about the family unit. It's about that child and you have an obligation. You don't have a right. You don't have, um, it might be a good idea. You have an obligation from that moment that that child is born to do everything until they put you into the ground. Yep. They are your responsibility and you must live and die for your kids. While I was editing this interview, my girlfriend Bridget walked past with a bit of a tear in her eye. I asked her what she'd just heard. Talking about how it's not about, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. It's about your family and and your kids and just doing everything you can to make them have a happy and fulfilling life. So then I asked, why are you crying? <laughs> that Eddie McGuire quote was really beautiful. I can't <laughs> I'm, believe. I'm crying and laughing at the same time because I'm laughing at myself for crying. <laughs> this is what you've got to look forward to when I'm pregnant. <laughs> Did you ever think that the president of the Collingwood Football Club would make you cry with a beautiful family speech? <laughs> a guy, a bloke from Triple M? No, I think that's really lovely. What a, what a wonderful man. Eddie Maguire continued to talk about the commitment you need to make to your children and to your family. There's one thing that you can be in charge of, and that is you must provide for your family. I believe you must give your kids unconditional love. You have to give them discipline, but that doesn't mean you're hard on them. It just means you discipline them and teach them the right way and uh, let them enjoy themselves to a degree. But I, I really believe that parents need to be parents, not friends. Right, the friendship yeah. thing comes eventually. It doesn't mean you're hard all the time, but it does mean that you have to show them the way. You have to give them some leadership. And uh, that's the job of a parent. Provide, love, show leadership, and then eventually uh, as they grow into themselves, you know, as I said, it's like everything in life. It's what you put in early on. Yeah. You know, whatever you do in the first five years of a kid's life, you'll get the return yep. when they hit 15, 16 years of age and for the rest of their life. There's no, there's no, you can't catch up. Don't ever think that I'll do this in five years' time, right? You've got to look after them. And sometimes I think it's just a matter of if you've got a Saturday afternoon, just sit on the couch, watch the, watch the, footy, yeah. watch the footy of them. You know, some of the happiest moments I had as a father was sitting on the couch with one of my boys under each arm yeah. on a big couch, but everyone's on one cushion yep. and you feel them right in underneath you and they feel this, the strength of their father because we're all giants to a little boy yep. or a little girl and uh, they're able to feel that they're protected, that they know that whatever happens in life, dad and mum 
are there for them. And now Bridget is officially ruined. They're short in case he miss kicks the Tigers. He gets onto an absolute ball buster. It comes back. It's a goal. Anthony Rocker lifts the Collingwood. Eddie Maguire is a Collingwood football club diehard. He grew up in the working class suburbs of Melbourne and fell in love with the Collingwood Football Club, not knowing that when he first watched the team as a child, that decades later he would become the club president. I asked Eddie what the Collingwood Football Club meant to him, to his dad and to his children. One of the seminal moments in my life was going to Victoria Park to see Collingwood for the first time with my dad and I'll never forget getting out of the train and holding his hand, you know, calloused baseball mitt, you know, (laughs) working class man's hand, walking over the footbridge at Victoria Park, seeing the black and white stands for the first time. And my dad understanding just what that meant to me. He, could feel, he said he could feel me almost growing, yeah. uh, under, uh, holding my hand, going in, sitting there, standing there in the old days and watching Collingwood run out to play for the first time. And it was just an amazing moment. And, uh, you know, they're the things you talk about, you know, when uh, on my dad's deathbed, you know, they were the things we spoke about. The, the moments when he came to watch us play sport or the pride he got out of, out of our performances. And uh, you realise that they're the things that count in life the interaction that you have with people that you love and respect. Well, my grandpa was on the board of Hawthorne and then my dad ended up, you know, playing in the seconds when that existed. And he said the first time he took me out to Waverley, like when I was real little, he was like, that was like a moment I'll never forget. So what was it like for you having your dad took you to the footy for the first time? So what happened when you took your kids? Well, they were were born into it. You know, I was (laughs) president of Collingwood before they were born. uh, So that's all they've known. Bad luck. But uh, (laughs) but taking them down is, you know, there was a photo in the paper uh, you know, that uh, I still have on my desk of uh, my son when he was two and we we're getting ready for the 2002 grand final. It was the last training session and yep. he was out having a kick on the ground, just kicking <laughs> around all the women in the crowd are ooing and ahhing. Yep. And, you know, you look at your little boy in the, in the black and white uh, jumper there and, uh, you know, the senior players coming over. So it was a quite a different experience to me standing next to the police horse, yeah. <laughs> but at that end of the ground, but from where I was sitting, I could see him and I could see where I stood with my father. So, yeah, they're emotional moments. It's yeah. the, they're handing down the traditions. And, you know, as I said, we're, we're migrants to this country. So these are the first traditions in our mm. family. You know, my father was a Glasgow Celtic man. Uh, Did so, he, he embrace the AFL when he got here? Yeah, well, yeah. They, well, they barrack, he barracked for Essendon uh, because it was the you know closest team out there. Yep. But then as I fell in love with Collingwood, so too did he become sort of shared his love. Uh, my brother was an Essendon man, but, uh, yep. you know, he became a Collingwood guy as well. And he just loved you know, the, he loved the passion of what we're all about because, yeah. you know, the thing that he loved as a young man was going to see Glasgow Celtic. It meant everything to him and, yeah. and still did right to, right to his uh, dying day. In fact, he was buried with his Glasgow Celtic tie on. So uh, sport and the, the devotions of sport has been a big part of our family. And I'm, you know, delighted that my boys are sporty. Yeah. They, they get it. You know, they love their cricket. They love the footy. They love all the sports. Um, yep. So for them, yeah, it's important to them as well. And I hope that they're, they're able to have as much joy out of it and pain, which yeah. comes with it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but the joy and the, just the, you know, the, the fact that you can go to the football and, and feel alive is, is something that is, uh, something's treasured. Yeah. Um, we might've just covered it then, but as well as the, all the responsibilities of being a parent, what's the, the most fun bit? Ah, everything. Yeah. You know, um, Every part of it, uh, I often say to people, don't wish that this particular time's over because it'll be over quickly enough. You know, everybody, when you have a baby, oh, I wish it would sleep. I wish it would stop crying. 
oh, geez, I can't wait till it's able to you know, go, go to the toilet by itself. Oh, I can't wait till I go to school. I'll get some time back. Oh, geez, it's driving me mad. I can't wait till they finish school. Oh, VCE, HSC. Oh, I can't wait till that. And you blink and it's over. Yeah. You know, I look at it now and my, my son's 16. He's in year 11. I've got one last Christmas with him coming up. Yeah. Because after he finishes his VCE, he's his own man. He'll have his license. He'll have his own car. You know, we've, we've brought him up to be independent and I've got a funny feeling he's going to be he's independent. Be. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this, this is, and you do, you, you know, I remember when I told my parents I was leaving home, I, you know, I'd bought an, an apartment which I couldn't afford to live in. So they had 12 months of sort of knowing something was coming and, yep. and I, I still think of it now because it was one of those things, oh, mum and dad, I'm, I'm going to move into the apartment. You know, I was 23 years of age, so I was pretty old, yep. uh, 22 or 23. And, uh, I remember just the, the, how quiet it went and, and I left the room and we didn't ever talk about it again. Yeah. And I, I look back at it, resonated with me at the time. So I realized, but now I look at it and think just what that moment meant, you know, that this is something that, you know, as a parent, you put every living and breathing moment into your, your kids and thinking about it. And then they become independent from you. And uh, yeah, it's a changing of the guard, but it'll be a very emotional time when it happens, I'm sure. The one question I guess a lot of people want to know is, how does he do it all? Well, he has a few assistants, the shows he works on have great producers, and he also has what many young parents require and rely on, a very supportive extended family. Oh, no, well, that's it. I mean, it is a family situation. Yeah, Um, yeah, my parents were old. Uh, my, My father died now nearly six years ago. He was 94. He would have been 100 next month, my dad. Um, so he was an, an old father. Uh, he was 47 when I was born. Right. And, uh, so 50, he, wasn't, he wasn't chasing his grandkids crawling on the floor? No, he was though. That was oh, the really? thing. He was yeah. right into it. So my yeah. kids have great memories of, of their grandfather. Yep. Uh, my mum's 92. But my, uh, luckily, uh, my wife's parents were young. Right. And uh, they've had a, an amazing impact on their lives. So the old, uh, you know, saying about a village to bring up a kid, if you can get that in your family, um, it's a wonderful experience. And uh, we wouldn't have been able to do half the things without their support and their love. And for my boys to have had such a loving relationship with their grandparents uh, is just turbocharging what we can give as parents and their support of us to be able to do the things we need to do is is just enormous. And, uh, yeah, without uh, Carla's parents, uh, Bruce and Robin, you know, things would have been a lot more difficult. But at the same time, what it has provided is an enormous, uh, you know, it's not, uh, I remember Mick Malthouse saying to me once, he said, uh, when Carl was pregnant, he said, uh, when you have a kid, you know, you worry, does that mean there'll be less love to, to go around with your, with your wife? He says, yeah. no, it, it, it squares. And then you have another kid and it cubes. Yeah. And that's what it is. And he's, it was a really good uh, thing to say, because what it does is you realize that you've got unlimited capacity to love. And when you have more people in that uh, uh, area with you, then uh, it just becomes a, a great thing. So, yeah, the, the grandparents are wonderful. And uh, as a result of that, uh, you know, there is a, a whole lot more love that is generated into the, into the boys. From both this episode with Eddie Maguire and also the other episodes in Am I Ready to Be a Father, here are my main takeaways from work-life balance. Sometimes you have to prioritise, but it's worth it. When I heard Jimmy Barnes talking about having a child look at you, adore you and needing you, Jimmy says that puts things in perspective pretty quick. And both my cousin Max and Eddie Maguire have said the same thing. 
They said children aren't a distractor from working and making money. And in fact, providing for your family becomes a huge priority. And it's actually one of the great incentives to work harder and smarter. Now, Bridget's quite glad that I've come to this conclusion, but she's a bit annoyed and bemused as well. Isn't that what I've been saying all along? (laughs) It's funny because every time I give you advice about something, you're sort of like, yeah... And then you go and you get other people's advice and it's exactly the same as what I've said. And then you come back to me and you're like, oh, so this person said this thing. And I'm like, I know, I told you that already. (laughs) And I feel like it's just happening again. On the next episode of Am I Ready to Be a Father? I thought I had a big decision to make, but now it seems I've got multiple decisions to make. So you reckon we need to get married first? Yeah, Like, I've always wanted to get married. It means a lot to me. So, yeah, we'd want to get married first. Episode six of Am I Ready to Be a Father is called Do I Need to Get Married First? I love dancing, crazy romancing. Thanks to Eddie Maguire for being part of this episode, as well as Jay Mueller, Rosie Walton and Will Ralston for making it happen. Thanks to Reese Kerr for helping with the video grabs you might have seen online. And thanks again to Bridget for putting it all out there. And actually, thanks to everyone who's messaged Bridget with some nice supportive words. That's great as well. And of course, thank you to Brody Green for mixing the audio in this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next time. Marriage is for old folks, old folks, not for me. One husband, one wife, what do you got? Two people sentenced for life.